0: Welcome to Northgate Bible Chapel Online. Thanks for checking out our podcast where you can listen to our latest sermons filled with teaching, encouragement, and hope from God's Word. So, whether you're outdoors, in the car, or just poured some coffee, let's dive into today's message. Well, so, um, but I did find a couple and I listened to them and, uh, But ultimately, you need to listen to the Lord and what the Lord's message is uh, to me, right? Because he's speaking to me and then I'm supposed to share that with you. So that's the goal this morning. Um, As we we think about this, uh, Beth and I had some time in the car in the last couple of days and we talked a little bit about the message. And um, One of the things that That I see from my uh, life as a believer and growing up in uh, in the church is that uh, the message of Romans 7 was not a message that I really uh, feel like I ever got given to me in a way that I could understand it and I never really grasp what was going on so you know as a young person of About eight years old when I came to Christ right Um, I got that part I knew that but I had real struggle with why do I still sin and you know so without going into all of my baggage because there's a lot of it right but that created a big a big struggle in my life and I think this chapter is so important for us to understand and to realize what's going on. The second half of the chapter, um, which for our our purposes starts in verse 14, uh, I would give it the title The War Within. The War Within. So uh, let's read uh, the second half of the chapter and then uh, we'll see what the Lord has for us this morning. So, Chapter 7 and verse 14, For we know that the law is spiritual, but I am of the flesh, sold under sin. For I do not understand my own actions. For I do not do what I want to do. Uh, See, I can't even read it right. Excuse me. For I do not do what I want, but I do what the very thing I hate. Now, if I do what I do not want, I agree with the law that it is good that dwells in me. So I find it to be a law that when I want to do right, evil lies close at hand. For I delight in the law of God in my inward being, but I see in my members another law waging war against the law of my mind, making me captive to the law of sin that dwells in my members. Wretched man that I am, who will deliver me from this body of death? Thanks be to God through Jesus Christ our Lord. So then I serve, so then I myself serve the law of God with my mind, but with my flesh I serve the law, or serve the law of sin, excuse me. Father, this morning as we open your word, we pray that you would open our hearts, our eyes to understand uh, what it is that you have for us this morning. Father, that you would help us to realize and grasp the truth of your word, your eternal word that you have given to us. So, Father, this morning we just pray that uh, whatever is said would be uh, bring glory to you, would edify each of us, and that we would walk out of here um, with, uh, with the encouragement of knowing that you love us, the encouragement of knowing that we will be victorious in Christ, and that you uh, are always there when we need you. So Father, we just uh, pray these things and ask these things in the name of your beloved Son who loved us and gave himself for us. In the Lord Jesus' name, amen. All right, so, um, you know, not only is, is perhaps uh, chapter 7 uh, sometimes difficult to understand, it's also difficult to read, right? Uh, you kind of, especially, you know, like reading through there, and, you know, maybe I'm a little more uh, tense than I am when I'm sitting in my, and my chair at home, you know. So, um, but, so let's just talk about the summary of what we already learned last week, very quickly. What did we learn last week from Paul's experience and from what he shared with us uh, in the first 13 verses? We learned that in Christ, we have died to the law. Uh, we learned that we belong or are married to Christ because we have died to the law, so therefore, when we came to Christ, we are now in a union with Christ, which we had to die to the law in for order for that to happen. We learned, the third thing we learned is that we serve in a new way of the spirit. Now we learned about the law that it is holy, righteous, and good, and that the law reveals sin. Um, so then we move on to sin. So we, what did we learn about sin for last week? We learned that sin seizes opportunity and it deceives us, and it kills us. And the last thing that was mentioned about sin in verse 13 is that, in my words, that sin is uh, just tremendously evil and hideous. So that's the backdrop to where we are today, and a couple things to note uh, as we go into this. I'm approaching uh, verses 14 to the end of the chapter, that this is Paul giving us Personal testimony of his life. It might not be exactly where Paul is at the moment, right when he's writing this, but this is Paul's testimony of his experience in as a believer in Christ, and he doesn't give us all the details of this happened exactly at this time and all that. But this is Paul speaking. We see that uh, primarily because uh, of the use of uh, the the uh, I think they're pronouns um, I, me, and myself. And uh, you, can, you can figure this out without me telling you, but it occurs more than 40 times in this chapter. And so when you use I that many times, I, that makes me nervous when I talk about myself that much. So I'm probably saying something I shouldn't. But uh, Paul here is inspired by uh, the Holy Spirit. He's saying what he should be saying. And he wants to be clear to us, like this is what I walk through. This is sometimes what happens in my life. And this is how we're going to see, you know, when we get to, we're going to have an intermission next Sunday, right, uh, with camp emphasis, and then we're going to get to chapter eight, which we all rush ahead to get to, but it's really important to understand chapter seven so that chapter eight makes even more sense. So, um, so a lot of a uh, lot of talking about uh, I and me in this chapter, uh, Paul referring to himself, and then uh, in. In verse 22, you don't have to look there right away, but uh, he says this, for I delight in the law of God in my inward being. So we see uh, testimony of Paul is a believer because unbelievers don't delight in the law of God. So that's that's the premise. That's kind of the, where I'm coming from uh, as we speak this morning. So uh, what, what do we learn? Uh, we see that. As Paul uh, talks us through this and walks us through this, we learn something right off in the first verse of uh, verse 14, that the law is spiritual. The law is spiritual. The law was not intended to be what has physical, the law of Moses, right, had physical things that we should or shouldn't do and how we should act. But the intent, we see that from uh, Jesus when he gave uh, the Sermon on the Mount, right? He took the law and said, Here's the law, however, I'm really concerned about your attitude, about your where your mind is and how you're responding inside, not just on the outside. Because, you know, Paul was a Pharisee, there were Pharisees, and some of us have lived a life of a Pharisee, right? We, we can relate to that. We weren't called Pharisees, but we felt pretty good about ourselves. And, and I myself know that in the past that I had a good form, without having what's inside be what God wanted it to be, right? So I get that. I understand that. That's not what God wants. He wants what's inside. And the outside will will follow when the inside is where God wants it to be. So um, Paul says that the law is spiritual, but I am um, of the flesh, or uh, some versions will use the word carnal. Uh, one version used the, the idea of, but I am all too human, right? So I am, I am, you. each one of you that I can see in this room, you all have a body. Uh, you all have flesh. You're all sitting here in the flesh. This is who you are as far as uh, we can determine from looking at one another. But we are of the flesh. And we, you know, when, when Adam and Eve sinned in the garden, mankind fell and we were sold under sin. That's that was our condition, and so um, what we're going to come to find out is that um, that that uh, curse of sin that happened in the garden didn't disappear when we came to Christ. Now he teaches us in the previous chapter, right, that he that when we came to Christ, that the power of sin is gone, and. That the penalty of sin is gone, but it's the presence of sin is still present. Now, often, I don't know about you, but I like to think that that I'm influenced by what's outside, that will lead me astray. Because that that actually feels better if I can say it that way, right? If I'm led astray by thing, outward forces, right? Things that I see, hear, what people say to me whatever, you, you can you can figure that out for yourself. You're all uh, living this life and you know those experiences. But it's interesting that um, as Paul walks through this and as he's saying, look, uh, I don't understand my actions. I don't know why I'm doing what I do. I want to do the right thing, but then I find myself doing the wrong thing. And and I'm just like, that's why he gets towards the end of the chapter, right? And he's like, oh, wretched man that I am. like. I don't know if you've been there, but I've been there. Oh, wretched man that I am, who will deliver me? So we will save that, because that's the good part at the end, right? That we do have a deliverer, so hang on to that, that thought. But the idea that that temptation, that sin comes from the outside, while the world we live in and the culture that we live in, there is sin present, and it does influence our life, however, James would say, right, in chapter 1 and verse 14, that each person is tempted when he is lured away and enticed by his own desire. So where did that come from? Was that an outside influence? Or did that come from from here, right? That came from the heart. Uh, Is it Jeremiah 17, 9 that says, The heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. Who can know it? Guess what? My heart is still like that. Christ is at work. He's transforming you and me, fellow believers. He's transforming us. But we still have a problem that we have, to, that we have to walk through and work through and understand what it is that's going on, why we have this conflict in our life. Why do I still sin and what's going on? Why does that happen? Um, you know, I thought, you know, you do those things where um, let's say uh, the books of the Bible, right? We stand up and we sing the books of the Bible, and if you make a mistake, you sit down so that only people left at the end are the people have not made one mistake in singing the books of the Bible. They've gotten the whole way through. Well, we're not going to sing the books of the Bible, and I'm not going to do this, but, you know, it, it begs the question if we all stood up and then we, then we said, well, who... Uh, who didn't uh, do uh, anything any action uh, this morning or up to this point today that wasn't uh, sinful and then if you had if you had done something you would sit down and we wouldn't judge you because we're we're all kind and good right so we wouldn't judge you Um, and then uh, we could move that down to uh, you know maybe it was an action then maybe it was a was a word that was said and then maybe it was the intent of our heart and I think probably, I don't. You're probably not in this category, but I would be sitting down at some point during that during that uh, checkpoint, right? But we're not going to do that, so you're all you can all relax, because I'd be the first one down, and then somebody else would have to preach. <laughs> so um, so we see as as we continue on here. Uh, There's three times that this idea occurs in verses 17 to 20. Paul brings out this thought, and and it's it's something that I think is of primary importance in this chapter that we understand. In verse 17, uh, the second half, but sin that dwells in me. Just look at, drop the butt, just say, sin that dwells in me. That's Paul speaking. He's not speaking as an unbeliever. He's speaking as a believer. Sin that dwells in me. Verse 18, for I know that nothing good dwells in me. And then verse 20, the second half, uh, if you're following along in the ESV, uh, sin that dwells within me. So how does that work? Because uh, Paul's talking here and he's going, I want to do what's right. I want to do what's right. But I sin, like that creates that creates confusion in my in our hearts and minds. Like we're trying to wrap our brain around that. Paul, are you a split personality? The answer is no. He's not. Uh, he's a believer in Jesus Christ. Uh, he's um, we often consider him uh, quite prominent, right? In in Christian things, he wrote a lot of the of the New Testament, uh, and God used him greatly. He redeemed him from uh, the life that he was in. But Paul says, look, um, here's what's going on. Here's what's going on. Um, 2 Corinthians 5.17 tells us this, right? That um, if any man, uh, i better read it because I'm going to mess it up if I try to tell you what it is. uh, If I wrote it down, Uh, I don't think I wrote it down. No, here it is. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away, behold, the new has come. If anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. God put in us his nature. God's nature cannot sin. God's nature cannot sin. When we get to, uh, we were, some of us were talking about this a little bit last week. Uh, 1 John, I think chapter 3, it talks about, you know, we don't, we sh- uh, as his children, we're not going to sin. And then it really messes with our head when we take those verses just like that, right? When we just look at a verse like that and we take those things, it's kind of like, what? Like, I got a problem. I got to check this out. So we have to look at the whole context. We cannot narrow down on one verse or one chapter. We want to look at the context of Scripture so we understand what he's trying to teach us. And the thing that he's teaching us is this. He's teaching us that... When we came to Christ, the instant that we came to Christ, we received a new nature, a new nature that's from Him that is perfect and sinless and will not sin. But at the same time, God did not, uh, there's a couple things that God did not do. He did not reform our old nature. God's not in the reformation business. He's not trying to take the old nature and make it like the new nature. And that's why Paul says in the previous chapter that we have to consider, we have to reckon ourselves dead to sin. We are not dead to sin. We have to reckon ourselves, consider ourselves. We have to to live in such a way to say, I am dead to sin. I have died to sin. And that's where, when we get to chapter 8, it's going to talk about, the Spirit of God and how the Spirit of God's gonna work that in our life through the new nature, right? But we have uh, two natures. And I don't know if, I, I have to say that as a young person, I don't think I understood this, or maybe I would fell asleep during those messages, I don't know. But I, I didn't understand it. But uh, we had, so I have an object lesson. I Did not test this ahead of time to see if it would stay here, but uh, so this is just uh, some green liquid, which would represent m- us outside of Christ. I picked green because it made me think of envy, which is a sin. So, and I'm very—I have not, uh, did not run this past the deacons ahead of time, so I'm <laughs> careful not to make a mess. <laughs> So when we, when we are outside of Christ, we only have one nature, right? We have a sin nature, and the sin nature does what it comes natural to it, it sins. When we come to Christ, we, would, we could say that this would represent Christ pouring into us the new nature, right? So when we come to Christ, we receive the new nature. that down there now it's safer I put it up there because otherwise I'd forget that I was going to do this you would think that I wouldn't forget but so I'm not sure because I'm looking at it as an angle but you can kind of see okay we have two different this one's kind of goldish colored only because that's what was available not that I'm trying to make any particular point out of the gold color Although gold could make you think of the wordless book, right? And all that good stuff. Um, So, as representing a believer in the Lord Jesus Christ, we have the old nature within us and we have the new nature within us. So when you sin, Paul says, it's no longer I who sin, I who sin, but sin that dwells in me that sins and it's not a split personality right it's really hard to demonstrate all those things with an object lesson I can barely explain it in English but it's so important for us to grasp that the sin nature resides within us and in order to walk in this world as a believer in Jesus Christ it's gonna require that we understand that that there's there's still something there that wants to go the wrong way and that's why it's so important that Paul says to us that we have to consider or reckon ourselves dead and that we'll be able to walk in newness of life in the spirit now we will not reach we will not reach sinless perfection in this in this life, if if Christ would have wanted sinless perfection, he would have removed your old nature, and then, right, we would feel like because I can only think in in the body that I'm in that this is how I see it. I would I would soon think begin to think that I didn't really need God because I was doing just fine without him because. That's how my brain thinks. When things are going good, why do I need God? So, we're not going to get into all of like, why did God leave the old nature in us? Like, that's a much longer conversation than we have time for. And I don't know that I have all the answers to that or even any good answers to that other than He's God and He knows what He's doing and He does all things right. So, we trust Him in that and we know. That he will that he will continue to work on us so as Paul moves through this conversation with us and as he talks about this and he's like okay you got to realize that the old nature is still within you you have the new nature one wants to serve God one wants to do what's wrong now when you think about we've been talking about the law right we've been talking about how the law reveals sin so Paul here could is at this point of like, I think he was trying really hard to do the right thing. I don't know about you, but have you ever tried really hard to do the right thing for God? Like, I can do this. I'm going I'm to work extra hard. I'm gonna, I, I fell down. I'm going to confess my sin. I'm going to get up. I'm gonna, I'm gonna, that's not going to happen again. I'm going to do the right thing. The problem with that is that I have established a law or I'm setting up this rule, right, that I have to keep. And when I do that, I'm saying a couple of things. I'm saying, first of all, that I can achieve that. Second of all, that Christ's work is not sufficient in order to redeem me. So that it gets you into all kinds of problems. But the law, right, the law reveals sin. The law arouses sin. That's what we learned in the first half of the chapter. And... It makes it harder because now I'm focused on avoiding that sin. I'm, I'm, just, I'm trying as hard as I can to avoid that sin. And my focus is in the wrong place. My focus needs to be on the Lord Jesus Christ. Some, some years back, there was a, a gentleman here And I don't remember exactly what he preached on, but I remember he said this. You do not defeat sin in your life by focusing on sin. You defeat sin by focusing on the Lord Jesus Christ, our Savior and our Deliverer. So that's why this is so important for us to understand. So Paul goes on in verse 21 and he says, I find it a law that when I want to do right, evil is close at hand. And he's saying that this is basically like a principle of life. This isn't like the Mosaic law per se. This is a principle of life. Um, I'll use an illus- I'll borrow an illustration from uh, one of the messages that I listened to, and they that person uh, used this idea, and it it worked in my mind. So hopefully it will It'll work connect in yours. You know I'm I'm kind of tired of the law of gravity. I don't know about you but it I, it makes me feel heavier than I'd like. Um, it makes work harder. Uh, there's just a lot of reasons why I don't I don't I'm, I'm just done with the law of gravity right. So for example I think the next time I our bedroom is on the second floor right so uh, if I park the car appropriately, I could just launch myself out the window into my car. Because I'm I'm done with I'm done with gravity. I don't need it anymore. So what's the likelihood of success from that experiment, right? As the man put it, who was given the message if you if anybody lives with you or you have neighbors, they'll likely hear a thud. <laughs> because I can dislike gravity and not the law of gravity all I want but it will not change the law of gravity that's what Paul's talking about this idea that look when I want to do what's right evil is there to try to pull me away now this sounds this can sound a little bit discouraging and hard right but but it's not this is actually encouraging to us as believers hopefully you'll see it that way because look God knows us. He knows what's going on. He knows his perfect plan, and he's saying, I want you to understand this, that this is, this is the life that you're living, and I'm going to give you, I don't, I don't want to steal from the next person that's going to do Romans chapter 8, the beginning of that, but we have to pull a little bit of that in to help us understand that he's going to show us how to walk in the Spirit, so we will not fulfill the desires of the flesh. So Paul says there, he says, Well, I delight uh, in the law of God in my inward being. As a believer in Jesus Christ, right, we we can say that we delight in the law of God that we have that we have received through faith in Jesus Christ. We are encouraged that. This morning, right? We were encouraged in our faith because of who Christ is and because of what He's done in our life. And we we see that He came to save rebels and wretches like me. How awesome that is. But there's a war, Paul says. There's a war going on in my mind. There's a war that's going on. And this war is I want to do what's right. And, and, and I don't always do what's right, and sometimes I do what's wrong, and how, what, how do I live in this? How, what go, what's going on? What am I going to do? That's really what it comes down for when I, I look at it. I'm like, what, what am I supposed to do? How am I going to walk in this world? And that's where the, the crescendo of this chapter comes when Paul says, Oh wretched man that I am. There's a good thing in understanding that we are wretched. Because when we understand that we are wretched, it helps us grasp the immensity and the awesomeness of God's grace. I need God's grace just as much today as the day that I came to faith. And I would suggest that you are the same. But I have to also say that I don't always appreciate the awesomeness of God's grace in my life. So I can relate to Paul. I've been in that place and sometimes perhaps I'm still in that place of saying, Oh, wretched man that I am, there's this battle going on and there's a struggle going on in life. But praise God, there is a deliverer. Paul says, Who shall deliver me? Who shall deliver me? There is one deliverer, the Lord Jesus Christ. He is the deliverer. He is the one who is able to set us free. I cannot, in my own strength, live a Christian life, live a life of faith that is pleasing to God apart from the work of the Holy Spirit in my life. And no one else can as well. So I would suggest that as Paul goes through this, and he's so thankful that um, to the Father that, that the Lord Jesus Christ has come and is that deliverer, right? He's so thankful. And so he says, with my, with my mind, with the new nature, I serve God. And with the flesh, when I sin, this is the way I would would, would paraphrase that, when I sin... It's the old nature that's sinning, it's not the new nature that's within me. It's not the perfect nature that God put there, it's the old nature that I put there with Adam that I inherited from him. So when we think about it, it's going to come down in the way my brain thinks and the way the words work that I understand words. It's going to come down to surrender I know I talked about this last week but it to me it always comes back to surrender or yielding to the work of God in my life to yielding what what am I ultimately what am I yielding my will when I do something that is sin against God it is my will that is the problem. Because I want what I want and not what he wants. As we progress, and we won't get there uh, till the fall sometime, but as we progress through Romans, we're going to read those verses right. Romans 12, 1 and 2. I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present, that you yield. Your bodies as living sacrifices to Christ that we are going to be not conformed to the world but we're going to be transformed not by our effort but by our surrender by spending time in the word by spending time together as brothers and sisters by encouraging one another So that we can say with Paul that I have been crucified with Christ, it is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. And the life that I live in this body, I live by the faith of the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. Yes, there is war that happens, a battle, a conflict that happens in our life. It is the old nature fighting against the new nature. One, one last comment on that. If there's no war, if, you're fi- if you are not walking where you know you should be walking and there is no war in your life, that's a serious thing. I have been in the place where I haven't walked where God wanted me to walk. And one of the things that encouraged me was the war that was in my soul. So don't be discouraged. We have a new nature. And in that new nature it's it's the perfect nature of God living in us. Christ in me, the hope of glory. And as Philippians 1 6 says, I am confident of this very thing that he that is Christ who began a good work in me, in you, He will see it to completion. It doesn't depend upon my ability to live a perfect life. It depends on the perfect life that He put inside of me and the cross and the debt that He paid at the cross of Calvary. Father, this morning, we thank you. we are so thankful for your love, your grace, your kindness to us. Help us, Father, to grasp the realities of the conflict, but not to be discouraged by that, but to know that in Christ, as we surrender and yield ourselves to the work of your Spirit in our lives, that we can walk victorious, not perfect, but victorious in this life. Thank you, Father, for your goodness to us. In the Lord Jesus' name, amen.